Welcome to the Homeland Heroes Salute, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories to heal and honor our heroes. We are your hosts, Bill Taub and Dave Tilly. Hi, this is Phil Taub, along with Dave Tilly. Uh, welcome to the next installment of our Homeland Heroes Salute podcast. Great to have you with us tonight. Uh, we have a very sp- special guest, uh, Mike Galloway. Uh, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Phil. I appreciate it. Yeah, great to have you with us and looking forward to hearing your story of military service. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, ask you some questions, Mike, about why you joined and talk a little bit about your service and what you're doing in your life after service and and moving to New Hampshire. So, Mike, let's, uh, let's just jump right in it. I understand uh, that you served as a Marine. Uh, did you... Growing up, did you always know you were going to be a Marine? Tell us about your story and journey uh, to join the military. Yeah, um, so I did not, as a kid, like, I mean, I thought the military was awesome, but um, that was never really something I had even thought about until probably junior year of high school. Um, I, it was actually uh, my math teacher who was really instrumental in, in, in that area, Um he, he, he would always talk about all the military services and, uh, he'd talk about how he's like, none of you guys are tough enough to join the Marines. And I don't know what it did to me, but in my head, I'm like, Oh yeah. And, uh, I just, I really, after that, a friend of mine and I started looking into the military, um, and nine 11 kind of had an impact on that as well. You know, I mean, I was, I was really young when nine 11 happened, but, um, I, I remember that as well. And, uh, and the impact of seeing different people going in, um, after that happened. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that, that math teacher kind of sparked the fire, if you will, uh, that made me start looking into the Marines. Like, and, and what year did you end up, uh, joining the Marines? So I graduated high school, uh, in, May of 2009, and two days after I graduated, I headed to San Diego uh, for boot camp. Wow, that's tremendous. That's not a bad place. I'm sure boot camp was rough, but that's not a bad place to be doing boot camp. No, it wasn't. Uh, People always, you know, there's that whole West Coast, East Coast, like kind of battle, if you will. Um, And people would always talk about how hard... South Carolina was, you know, um, nice. South Carolina was, and, and I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Cause in San Diego, I mean, I think we had rain maybe once the entire time. Cause I was there during the summer. Um, so, I mean, it was hard, but weather wise, it was pretty, pretty easy. And, and was, was boot camp and sort of your initial experience, the Marines, was that what you expected it to be? Um, yeah, I, at that point, I really had a drive, um, to be the best I could be. Yeah. Um, and so I think that was the big thing because physically, I feel like honestly, Marine Corps boot camp isn't as hard as people let on. Um, it's really all mental games that they play with you, um, to try and get you to quit. Um, so if you can get, if you can mentally get past that and you're in physically good shape, you, you, you'll probably do all right. Um, so, yeah. And then, 
Go, go ahead, Dave. Well, I'm imagining, though, too, we, uh, it's probably the uh, best physical shape you ever get in uh, for a lot of people in their lives going through boot camp. Yeah, I it's it's crazy. I was probably solid muscle right after boot camp. I I averaged 170 pounds in high school and I think I weighed 145 pounds when I came out of boot camp. Wow. So, I mean, that's in 3 months, you know. Oh my gosh, just small and solid muscle. Yep. And uh and so where did your journey in the military take you after boot camp? Yeah, so I um I went in to the Marines as a uh an O two thirty one uh as an intel analyst. Um an all source intel analyst is the actual terminology. Um and so once I finished boot camp, um I went to to combat training at MCT. And then um when I was done there, um they sent me to uh, Damneck, Virginia, to uh, the Marine Intel School, um, and that, I can't remember. I think that was about three or four months long. What, what did you end up doing with that? I'm curious. I'm I'm an Intel analyst myself. Yeah. What, what was um, that like, and and where did it take you? Yeah. So so an all source analyst. Um, the best way for me to describe it is we have we were we were trained in a broad scope overview of all the intel disciplines um and so then our job so i i went into uh i got stationed at third uh, intel battalion in okinawa japan um after my training and and so basically you know uh, at an intel battalion they have all the different types of intel um disciplines so you have human intel you have signals um topographic which is you know they work with maps imagery and so our job was to take all the information that we gathered from all of those different sources and basically put it into a pretty package that could be taken to the co um and so from there we would brief the co on 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 different things um during trainings and and, and whatnot Wow. Interesting. Great stuff. Yeah. Actually, and Dave, how's that compared to your experience? I know that Mike's supposed to be answering all the questions, but. (laughs) Well, mine, um, I I was a Russian linguist and intelligence analyst, and uh, I I went to study Russian in, in Monterey, California at the Presidio of Monterey at DLI. But then I went to, uh, intel school and and uh that was uh you know really learning a lot around uh at that time i was doing a voice and message interception and then uh later uh intelligence and uh analysis and then uh preparing uh, our general then it was at port riley kansas um, on intelligence briefings as part of a team uh, I had uh, the former Soviet Union was my area of uh, a team that was briefing, but we had all over the world that was uh, preparing intelligence briefings. So that was kind of uh, my path was through the linguistic realm and then into intelligence analysis in uh, in that geographic area. <laughs> 
Wow. But what what was interesting in my end though too was in the same rooms, you had those that were analyzing on South America, that or or uh, you know that were Spanish speaking uh, linguists. You had uh, folks that were, uh, you know, analysts in other other parts of the world, and and so you'd you'd also uh, learn a bit on what a. What else is happening around uh, around the world in the Intel community? Wow, yeah, that's pretty incredible. Um, I I loved that job, um, and and I'm 31 now. But but thinking back to it, I mean, I was eight, 19 when I actually got into the fleet, and and thinking about the fact that you have 19, 20, 21 year olds, you know, putting intelligence briefs together and briefing colonels and, and sometimes generals, you know, as a 19, 20 year old on current events. And, you know, in some, at least in some capacity, you're influencing these leaders, um, decision-making like that, that always struck me as a big deal. Um, and, and honestly, it, it gave me a lot of respect for, for those I was working with too. Cause it's like, we're, you know, we're not, we're not playing around here. You know, we actually have a very important real job. Um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. That's incredible. I mean, for an early age, um, having that on your shoulders, being able to, uh, you know, then provide the intelligence to the, uh, higher levels of colonel and above too, and being entrusted with that at, at a young age. It's, um, yeah, I felt the, the same way. I was in my uh, 20s at the time, both putting together Intel briefing books and, uh, and uh, of, uh, you know, security level briefings. And then those that were uh, uh, non-top secret and, and collateral briefings. But mm-hmm. to, but just to have that weight on your shoulder uh, is uh, Im- impressive, honestly. I mean, and and it's it uh, as you mentioned, just a a lot on your shoulders, and and a, and, uh, and and to be able to uh, be at that level at such a young age. Yeah. Well, and and as an enlisted. Um, yeah. Like I have several friends who I was in with who, you know, they, they continued on in the field um, once they got out and generally speaking, um, at least from my experience, three letter agencies and like some of these different organizations, (laughs) they're more inclined to hire an enlisted who has combat experience in the Intel world um, with, you know, real world experience than somebody who just got out of college <laughs> with, oh, sure. with no experience. Yeah, and, and in your realm, in the Intel realm, did that that gave you certain uh, security clearance levels? Yep. Um, yeah. So in Okinawa, there was I had I I don't even know what it all what all was on it. There was a lot of letters <laughs> in that security <laughs> clearance because I worked in a, a, a T skiff. Um, which is, uh, incorrect, uh, David, you probably know it's skiff is secret compartmentalized information facility. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, we were, you know, handling top secret information, um, 
uh, pretty, pretty regularly. So yeah, you um, were in a very secured space working. Yep. Yeah. There was, there was not a window yeah, in that yeah. building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You had uh, fluorescent lights. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so. Wow. Yep. Know it, know it well. And then, and then from, uh, yeah, now I apologize for all I'm, uh, no, keep going, Dave. You know, it's up some of your guys uh, comparing notes on this stuff. Yeah, no, that no, this is uh, fascinating. So, that, so then, what next? Yeah, so I uh, spent three years uh, in Okinawa at Third Intel Battalion, um, and that was probably the best time. Uh, I mean, well, okay, not the best time of my life. It was a really great time <laughs> um, because I was a single young Marine. And, uh, I got to go all over Southeast Asia, um, during that time for different training events, uh, in like South Korea. And then, uh, there was one in, uh, Thailand that was a really big deal is, uh, Cobra gold was what it was called. Um, and that was, um, I mean, we got to work with, you know, the Germans, we got to work with, oh shoot. I mean, all, all the different. Uh, branches of the u.s military but there's a lot of different countries um involved within that and so we we went to thailand for a while and um during that that event um i was uh awarded the joint service achievement medal which is the highest medal i got while i was in um which is funny like i I don't feel like I did anything that special <laughs> during that training, but I did my job the right way. And I got to work with all these really cool countries. Um, and so, so they, they awarded me that. And I remember that time frame was, it was funny cause I didn't know I was going to get that award. And another one of them, my buddies I worked with, he got a coin from a three star and I was a little jealous of him. <laughs> And I was like, man, I was like, that's so cool. He got that coin. And then we got back to Okinawa and I was awarded that medal. And I was like, okay, this is better. This is much better. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Was that one of your highlights? What, what were some of your best um, experiences in your service? So the best experience was uh, immediately after that. Um, yeah. We got back to, to Okinawa from Thailand and my, I was, you know, I had just gotten that award. And so my unit was, I was kind of the golden boy. Um, and, uh, and so they, it was a weird time. They, they, they were like, Hey, who wants to go on a cruise? And so I raised my hand and they're like, okay, Galloway, you're going to go. And, uh, I, I got to go on the USNS mercy, um, for a short float. Um, and it was kind of a strange time. I didn't do any Intel work uh, there. I mean, it was a hospital ship, um, but we got to work. It was really weird. Like they just needed bodies basically. And they were like, okay, like you're going to work in the comms department with the air force. <laughs> and so there was nine Marines total on the ship and we got sent to different areas of the ship and, and we just hung out for three months, just kind of having fun, honestly, um, helping out where we could. But during that time we got to go to shoot uh, seven or eight different countries in Southeast Asia and help out in a lot of humanitarian efforts. Um, there was nothing like major going on in the world at the time. Like there wasn't any hurricanes or anything, but, um, they were just basically going around Southeast Asia 
to all these different countries helping with medical assistance um, for people. Um, so that was kind of a neat experience seeing that. And then also just getting the experience of traveling all over an area of the world that I don't think a lot of Americans go to. Just an incredible experience, just learning about other, uh, you know, countries and cultures. The the benefit, you know, the uh, peripheral benefits of uh, serving abroad, just learning so much. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, amazing. It is. Um, yeah, I, 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 I really... Gained an, I gained an appreciation for for Asian culture during that time frame um, because I, I don't think there was a country that I went to where at some point I was drinking tea with a local. <laughs> like, <laughs> like most of those countries, they were really friendly to Americans and like really hospitable, honestly. But I mean, we were you know, giving free healthcare essentially. <laughs> so, I mean, they didn't have a reason to not like us, I guess. What were some of the countries you visited and what were some of your uh, favorites? Uh, let's see. So we went or, to- or, or favorite experiences. Yeah. Um, so during that during that time, we, we went to uh, Cambodia, um, Vietnam, the Philippines, uh, Indonesia. Um, I think I think Cambodia was probably mm-hmm. one of my favorite experiences. Um, we got a lot. We got a lot of time uh, to just explore during that time frame, and uh, to actually spend time there. Yeah. Yep. And uh, to be honest, there was a lot. We we hung out at a lot of bars. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of us. There's a lot of. Uh, it was, it was weird. There's a lot of Australians in Cambodia. And so like most of the bars that were around that area, um, were owned by Australians. Um, and we had the Australians with us. That's probably the, that's probably the highlight of Cambodia. We were in, uh, we were in Cambodia on the 4th of July with, um, there was Australians on the mercy with us. And so these Australians were like, going around going happy 4th of July, like America. And they, I apparently, they supposedly they drank out a bar and then showed up at the bar we were at and bought just everybody drinks, um, to celebrate independence day. But it's kind of a funny, funny situation. (laughs) And I had this, um, just a funny story. I had this staff sergeant, uh, she was actually the senior Marine. It was a really weird situation. Like, I don't understand entirely why we were there, but she was our senior Marine there. Like she was reporting to whoever in the Navy she reported to, but she was in charge of us. And, um, during the float, I grew a mustache and, and she's like, Galloway, she's like, you got to shave that thing. And I was like, I was like, staff sergeant, you can't make me shave this. I'm, I'm within regs. I was like, I'm fine. And so there's this one Australian um, uh, Navy guy that I, I, I became pretty good friends with. And she had talked to him and tried to convince him to get me to, she, he, he was trying to convince me to shave my mustache. So we're, we're sitting there uh, hanging out and, and he's like, 
Galloway, that that mustache is dreadful. You just need to shave it. <laughs> and I was like, what? Why are you being a jerk, man? Like, what is up? And he's like, all right, I'll level with you. He's like, Staff Sergeant Lily said that she'd buy us a beer tower when we went to town if I got you to shave your mustache. <laughs> And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> so we got to town and I bought him a beer tower. And I looked across to her and took a big swig of beer and got as much foam on my mustache as I could. And just <laughs> was like, cheers, Staff Sergeant. <laughs> she didn't appreciate it. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's funny. But she was she was cool. <laughs> That's so- I guess, Mike, when the Marine recruiter says, you know, join the Marines, see the world, right? They weren't kidding when it came to you. No, yeah, we, yeah, no, I, I, I got to see some pretty awesome countries. Yeah, no, it's a, that's a, it is an amazing opportunity that not many people get to do, right? And yeah, in exactly. Good circumstances. Sounds like you guys were doing a lot of good and helping a lot, which is great. Um, yeah. You know, part of this, Mike, you know, for our listeners, especially those like me that are civilians and did not serve, you know, it's very hard to understand. You know, if you haven't walked in somebody's shoes, you can't really understand, right, their journey. Um, And you've talked about some good moments. I mean, maybe if you would share, you know, what are some of the toughest things about, you know, being in service, Uh, you know, just to help us understand a little bit, because it's not all you know, fun and great, right? There are some tough right. moments as well, and there's some sacrifices that have to be made. But if you don't mind sharing maybe some of those thoughts as well. Absolutely. Um, so the, it's, mine's, mine's kind of a different tale. Um, I, so I joined in 2009 and I wanted to fight. <laughs> um, and, and I attribute this to God um, because I tried my darndest to go to Afghanistan. Like that was why I joined was I wanted to go to Afghanistan. And when I got my orders to Okinawa, that kind of sealed my fate a little bit. Um, because I tried three separate times. I I tried to force things, um, to get to Afghanistan and every single time I would get close. Like I would get slated for, okay, you're going to, you're going to go to on a deployment. Um, something would happen that would prevent me from getting that opportunity. Um, and so I developed quite a bit of bitterness, um, as I grew up, uh, grew up after I got out because I didn't get to go to Afghanistan. <laughs> um, and, and part of that was I had quite a few friends, uh, in the service, um, who really r- suffered and, and saw a lot of death, um, and, and, and really struggle because of that. Um, and it's, I don't know if you'd call it like a survivor's guilt mindset, but I struggled for years, um, because I didn't get that opportunity to go to Afghanistan and fight. Um, but I guess the, the horizon of that is, um, when I didn't get to go, um, my buddy, uh, his name is Grant. Um, if I had gone, to Afghanistan when I was supposed to, um, I wouldn't have been there for him. And he had just gotten back and he was in a horrible, horrible place. Um, he saw at least three of his friends die. Like he saw them die. Like it wasn't like, Mm. Oh, you know, Johnny's dead. Like he actually physically witnessed them 
you know, pass on. Um, and he was in a very, very bad spot during that time frame. And, uh, and so I, again, I attribute it to God. Like, I, I think God had me in that place to be there with him because I was the only person he trusted. Um, and so I think that's, that's, that's the hardest thing is, is having friends who have seen suffer and knowing that I didn't go through that same capacity of suffering as them. What, what, um, as, as you were transitioning out of the military, what, um, what was that like on, on, you know, deciding to, uh, leave the military and, and then what happened, uh, kind of in your life after? Yeah. So I, um, so I ended my time in the military in North Carolina. Um, I spent, so I spent three years in Okinawa and basically two years, um, at eighth Marine regiment, uh, in their S2, um, at Camp Lejeune. Um, and so during that, that final season in the Marines, um, I was mentored by a guy with an organization called the navigators. Um, and they're Christian Christian organization that, um, they get invited on base by uh, chaplains, and and they they, they kind of mentor people and 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 help people through different struggles and and basically develop community um, in like the barracks and things like that. So I was mentored by a guy. Um, his name was John. Um, in that, and so when I transitioned out, um, he he offered me a position. He was like, "Hey, he's like." you know, you've been doing this with me, you know, for these two years you've been here. He's like, why don't you come on staff with us, um, for a while and, and just hang out. So I, um, I, I went on staff with the navigators immediately after I got out of the Marines. So my transition was kind of a little weird because I became a civilian. Um, but I was still hanging out with Marines, um, on base, <laughs> but as a civilian. So that was nice. Um, it was a, it was a, a nice, easy transition out. Um, I will say after that, we spent two years. Um, I, I met my wife, we got married. Um, and we spent two years together after I got out of the Marines, um, in North Carolina. And then we moved to Idaho and that was, that was the real culture shock for me because I was so used to this. Um, we, we call it, you know, camaraderie. Um, and, and I always took for granted that, that term, I thought it was kind of cheesy, but it's real. Like there's very real camaraderie within the services. Um, because we moved to Idaho where my wife's family was from after that, that season. And, and it was like a whole new world. Like, no, you know, nobody, like you didn't, you didn't have anybody there who you could call it to in the morning if something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was kind of a shock for me. Cause it, and it took, uh, it was, it was a shock for me because we went from having this thriving community of where people trusted each other completely to, you know, developing relationships with people who weren't in the service and it taking, you know, three, four years to trust them even, <laughs> um, that was, that was kind of a, yeah, it was, it was a different world. Yeah. And then uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, life now, things in New Hampshire. 
Yeah. Um, so we lived in Idaho for, yeah, yeah so we lived in, uh, so, so 2016, um, we left, uh, Camp Lejeune and, and North Carolina and, uh, my wife's family, we had just had our first daughter. Um, and so my wife's family talked us into moving to the West coast near them. Um, and during that time, I, I, um, actually I started a, a roofing company, um, and, and did that for a while. And, um, it's a kind of just quick overview. So we were in Idaho from 2016 to, uh, basically Thanksgiving of 2021. Um, and so the reason, but anyway, so we were in Idaho and, and we had family there and everything. Um, and the reason that we left was a dear friend of mine from, uh, Okinawa. Um, he was a, a chaplain. I, I was really, really close to, um, he, he calls me up out of the blue. Like we had, we were, we would maybe keep in contact every couple of months, maybe. Um, and he calls me up and he's like, Hey, Mikey, um, he's like, I'm, I'm taking over a church in New Hampshire. And, um, he's like, I want to, um, he's like, I was wondering if, if you would want to try and start a community like we had in Okinawa out wow. here. And I'm like, you're crazy, man. I was like, there's no way. I was like, I have a family. I have three kids now. I was like, there's no way I'm uprooting my life and moving, you know, to the East coast. <laughs> and so I told him, I told him we'd think about it and pray about it. And, uh, and so time goes on and I kind of threw that in the back of my head and, um, my wife, Stephanie, uh, she was kind of the driving force behind this. She's, um, she's, she's putting our, our son to bed and, and she's just kind of talking to God and is like, Hey, what do you have for us? And, uh, and then New Hampshire started coming to her, her head constantly. And she's like, Mikey, she's like, I think we need to look into this. And so where, so, where was your wife from again? She, she was from Idaho. So that was kind of yeah. the crazy part was we were in her yeah, hometown. So you went Idaho to West coast, uh, New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she, she yeah. was like, yeah, she's like, we need to look into this. And, um, within a two month period, um, I, I was running my roofing company. I found somebody to buy my roofing company and like, which is unheard of, like, cause roofing, roofing's not hard. Like it's easy to start a company. Um, but this guy, I had a good reputation in the area and he's like, yeah, he's like, I want to, he's like, I want your reputation. So, so he bought my name basically. And so I get supplemental income from that. And, and so then we, we started the process. We're like, all right, like this is happening. Um, and so we, we moved here and we got here shortly before Thanksgiving. Um, and within two weeks we found a place to rent. And within a month I found an amazing job, uh, working for a bathroom remodeling company. Um, and, and yeah, we're me and my buddy, John are, are, are trying to, trying to build what we had in, in Okinawa basically. And so it's, it's been interesting cause we're trying to explain to the people in this church in Deerfield, New Hampshire, they like, Hey, like this is what community should look like. And basically using a military model, like of camaraderie and going, yeah, like this is how it should look. And so, so it's been, it's been, it's been an adventure. That's for sure. 
Well, that's incredible. And I got to ask, I can't remember if we asked at the beginning of the interview, but where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, and uh, have uh, four four sisters, um, wow. and I'm the only boy. Which, going back to to why I joined, that was part of it as well. <laughs> I had four sisters, and and my dad was a cross country truck driver. So I mean, great great dad, but you know he was gone for two weeks at a time. Um, so I was surrounded by women constantly. And I was like, I think I need some testosterone in my life. Wow. <laughs> what, what a journey. So yeah. from Milwaukee, uh, you know, all, all over the world, Idaho, West coast. And then, and then with your, uh, wife's support and encouragement to New Hampshire. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it didn't, uh, part, part of the reason, well, not part of the reason that the, the, the motto of New Hampshire was a, a big selling point to me. I like the live free or die mindset. <laughs> Wonderful. Amen. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, I grew up in Wisconsin. And, um, it was a good childhood. I had, had good parents, good, good siblings. Um, my dad was not, um, uh, I mean, he, I think my dad wished he had joined the military, but he would have been in during Vietnam. Um, and so I'm kind of thankful he didn't, <laughs> cause I don't know if I would have been here, <laughs> but, right. and then my, uh, my grandfather was a, uh, he was an army Corps of engineer guy, uh, in world war two. And he saw some pretty horrific stuff, <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually watching band of brothers again. Oh, that's and, amazing. Yeah, right. And that's, I think it came out like in 2002 or something. And it's amazing, right? How, what a great job they did on that. And so for anyone listening that hasn't watched it for the first time or in a while for the second time, you know, I would recommend people go back and watch that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Mike, I want to just take a minute. Uh, if you forgive me, I want to just thank our supporters, Granite State Insurance, Rock Solid Insurance Protection for Business, and Service Credit Union, become an owner today. Uh, so thank you, Mike, for letting me do that. And um, I think you have a story around Homeland Heroes the, and the foundation. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, so so when we were, yeah, so we were, we were moving here and like, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Um, we, you know, we were moving, um, our van broke down twice from, from Idaho to here. Um, and it was just like, I don't know, we, we were really questioning at that point. We were like, like, why are we here? Like, what is, what is happening? Like we sold our business, everything is going wrong. And, uh, and so we get here and one of the first, people that talked to us was Julie over at Homeland Heroes. And she, uh, yeah, she was just like this, this calming voice in the storm of craziness that we were going through. Um, like she's, she, uh, her and Homeland Heroes just have like gone above and beyond anything that we could have asked for. Um, there's, there's like, we, we have one vehicle right now and there's a guy who, you know, he's, he's wanting to donate a vehicle 
through Homeland Heroes. And Julie's like, hey, Mike, do you need a vehicle? And then we finally get our house. And she's like, Mike, do you need furniture? And we're like, yeah, we just moved across the country with a, you know, 14 foot box trailer. Like we don't have anything. (laughs) And so like Homeland Heroes is potentially helping us find a car. Um, We got, you know, all the furniture, pretty much all the furniture we could potentially ever need um, to fill a house for five people. Um, and then she's also been work. Um, they've also been working with us on, um, on something with, um, uh, Habitat for Humanity. Um, we apply, uh, there's a, a lady, um, a lady donated some land to Habitat and she insisted on a veteran family moving into the house that was built. Um, and so they reached out to Homeland Heroes and um, Julie um, got them in contact with me. And so we're in an application process for that. So Homeland Heroes might've even helped us get a house. <laughs> like it's, it's been pretty incredible um, what, what they've done for us um, in, you know, we've been here since Thanksgiving. So what is that? November, December, three, four months that we've been here. So pretty, pretty incredible stuff. That's uh, that's really amazing, Mike. You know, I'm 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 glad to hear we have a great network amongst our service organizations here, and I'm really glad that you're tapping into it. And Homeland Heroes is a, is a special place, and Julie is a very special person. So, you know, I like you. You know, I believe things happen for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm glad that. Things have gotten better as you move to New Hampshire. And uh, if you can put up with our winners, you'll find this is a pretty awesome place to be. Oh, yeah. No, it's growing up in Wisconsin where it's negative 30 during the winter. And then Idaho (laughs) has some pretty wicked snowstorms. It's like kind of a mix of those two places. So I've 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 trained for this. (laughs) You're ready. You're ready. And how are the kids doing with the move? Uh, they're doing, they're doing really well, actually. Um, our, our daughter, Ari, um, she's six now. Um, so my wife's homeschooling her this year for kindergarten. Um, but she, yeah, she's making some, some good friends in the area and, um, and it's nice. Her sister, Emmy is, uh, 18 months younger than her. So they're best friends. Um, so during all the craziness, they had each other, um, and then we have a son, uh, Flynn, he's 18 months old. Um, and he's just, that kid's, he's nuts is the yeah. best way to put it. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're doing great. Um, and they like it here. They, they like New Hampshire. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you got to get them on, uh, you got to get them on, uh, skis, you know, when they're ready, start them young. Oh yeah. Yep. No, Ari, Ari and Emmy both, um, Cause we, so in Idaho, we were within an hour of, I think seven ski resorts. Um, so they, they've both been on skis already. So, but I've been, I've been told that the, uh, the snow here is completely different than anywhere else. And it's it, it, what I've been told is if you can ski, if you can ski, uh, the new England, you can, you can ski anywhere. So, so hopefully yeah. they can do that. Yeah, you'll get used to the sound of ice crunching underneath the skis, uh, as opposed to fresh powder. So, yeah, 
Well, Mike, this really, this has been wonderful uh, having you uh, on the podcast. Before we wrap up, was there, was there anything we missed that you wanted to share with us about your experience in the military and, and afterwards that we didn't, we didn't ask or we forgot to ask? No, um, I don't, I don't think so. I, I'd say, you know, I mean, I, I, I really, I really loved my time in the, the military and, and then the Marines. And, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, I loved that time of my life and it's, 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 it's just an incredible memory. And so it's kind of, I really appreciate the opportunity to kind of walk down memory lane a little bit with you guys. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you, Mike. I mean, this, this podcast is all about, you know, understanding and appreciating, you know, service, right? Uh, so many like you have served, uh, but so many like myself, civilians, you know, don't really understand. And we're going to keep spreading this message. So we couldn't do this without you coming on and sharing your story. Uh, so, you know, on behalf of myself and Dave, you know, thank you again for doing this. Yeah, thank you guys. This podcast is a co-production brought to you by the Homeland Heroes Foundation, an organization dedicated to the reacclimation support of active duty service members, veterans, and their families in their time of need. And Dairy Cam, who believes a better world starts with a connected community. To learn more, visit homelandheroesfoundation.org and dairycam.org. Follow the Homeland Heroes Salute on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to the Homeland Harris Salute wherever you listen to podcasts. The views expressed by our guests and others are solely their own. Views expressed in this podcast do not represent any of the uniformed services, the Homeland Harris Foundation, Dairy Cam, Swim with a Mission, Harbor Care, Veterans First, or any other organization.